Okay, everybody, it's Pastor Chad. Today is Sunday, January 17th, 2021, and welcome to The Way Radio Live. If you'll notice, I've got a new logo up. As many of you probably already know, I have a podcast I've been doing for quite a while at the Christian podcast community called The Way Radio, and I decided since I publish this to the podcast every week that I'd go ahead and just make this more of an episode to the podcast because we're doing it online. It is a recording and the podcast is growing. So I wanted to take advantage of that. So um, if you're interested in listening or subscribing to the podcast, uh, I'm going to find the address here. You just go to striving for eternity uh, podcasts dot striving for And there's a bunch of podcasts on there and you just search for the way radio and you will find it. There's also a link to it on our website. If you go to the way, the letter R, 122.org. Hey, Carrie, good to see you. Um, I know other people are getting ready to log on because I spoke to a few of them this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and get started. Again, if you have trouble hearing me, please comment. And I also only see the comments if you're watching on Facebook through uh, the Way Ministry or the Way R12.2 church page on Facebook. I don't see it through my personal page or through the Way Ministry group or Recovery Reformation. I just see that one uh, when I'm recording here. Today's message, evil in high places. What does that mean? And we will soon find that out. Let's pray and we will get into today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, again, the opportunity to gather here online. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you would open each heart and mind and spirit to the awesome power of your word, that we would uh, be blessed and strengthened and edified by it. And Lord, we just uh, pray that you would be glorified and your name would be praised. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, title of the message is Evil in High Places. And uh, I'm basing it on uh, a section of scripture from Ephesians, but specifically on Ephesians 6.12, and I'll put that verse up on the screen here for you guys, which says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Uh, Paul gives us this wonderful picture here of the forces that surround us here on this planet, while we are in the flesh. And unfortunately, this spiritual battle has been something that really is not given enough attention. I don't think there's enough focus placed on the fact that we are engaged in spiritual warfare. And I think the reason of that is, is that for so many generations now, the modern church has been sliding further and further into worldly secularism and humanism and forgetting that we are in a spiritual battle, and that's what we must be engaged in. But I think especially for the times in which we live and the year that we have just gone through, 2020, and what we will very well be facing in 2021, it's very important that we pay attention to the fact that we are in, are on, and engaged in a spiritual battle. We are on a spiritual battlefield. The turmoil in America and the world that is being experienced right now may appear political. 
all we hear about in America right now from morning till dark is what's going on politically. Did Biden really win the election? Can Trump still remain in power because he actually won the election and fraud was carried out? My own personal opinion, like I think I've shared before, is I've researched it a lot and I feel very confident that massive election fraud was carried out. Uh, Trump actually won by a landslide. And we are about very well in this coming week, we very well may experience one of the greatest frauds in American history. Um, so we have to be prepared for what for all that that entails. But if we become totally focused on that and what's going on in the physical realm and what's happening to us in America and really in the world politically as Christians, we can take our minds off the fact that we are to be engaged in a spiritual battle that is being carried out through spiritual influences on the physical realm. And one thing I really am going to touch on a lot, I think, in the coming weeks, and I'm still going to be moving through the book of Revelation. I'm working on those sermons. I think they're very applicable right now. But I think this verse, especially Ephesians 6.12, is so pertinent for the times in which we live. And it applies so much to what we read about in the book of Revelation. So I will be going through that. But because of what we're dealing with as far as current events, the dangers that America could be facing, the turmoil that could be just a couple of days away from embroiling America, or even or if we're lucky, maybe just a few weeks or months away, um, I think we have to arm ourselves more diligently or as, as diligently as we possibly can as Christians so that we can engage in the battle as effectively as possible because we still are commanded, no matter what circumstances we're in, to do what? Carry the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to as many people as we can and to strengthen and edify and nurture the church, the saints. One thing I think that I found very interesting in studying American history and the decline of America and the decline of the visible Christian church in America is the comparisons between the Constitution and God's word in Scripture or the message of the gospel. And if you look back over American history, what you see, especially the last 50 to 75 years, is a very concerted effort by forces within our government and really uh, world forces to try any means possible to circumvent the protections that the Constitution allows and the, and the stipulations that it has in place to protect the American people and to give the power of government to the American people rather than power of the government. That's why it says we are a nation that's governed of the people, by the people, for the people. But I think what we are seeing very clearly now in America is we've become a country that is governed of the government, by the government, for the government. And that's been reversed because they have been very successful at circumventing and minimalizing and compromising the very clear guidelines that the Constitution of the United States lays down. And we're seeing that it's right out in the open now. It's been happening gradually for a very long time. But we see very clear just in the last month how vehemently they are attacking freedom of speech, the right to bear arms that's guaranteed to us by the Constitution and the Second Amendment. These things are absolutely being attacked. And these are rights that constitutionally should never even be questioned. 
but they are. So freedom of speech, freedom of the press, the right to bear arms, and the pursuit of happiness really are being threatened intensely right now. And the American people had better wake up and start paying attention to what's going on. Now, why did I say that it's interesting to compare the decline of America and the Constitution and the decline of church and God's will? Because the same thing has happened in the church for a very long period of time now. What we have had is a compromising of the word of God, the commands of God, the law of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, a compromising of that to the world. Many in the church have made a career out of figuring out how to compromise the message of Jesus Christ so that it's acceptable through worldly eyes, so that it's not maybe so offensive to minds that are entrenched in the world. You see? So it's very interesting to see the decline of the church, the, the, the decline of America, and the two forces that they're built on, or the two foundations that they're both built on, have both been chipped away at. Now, obviously, the ultimate foundation is God's word. That's what we obey before anything else. The Constitution is, is subservient to that. But if you really study the, Amer the U.S. Constitution, you will see that it reflects what God has blessed us with in his word. The rights that we are guaranteed in the Constitution of the United States are God-given rights. They are not rights that are given by government, and government cannot take them away. You see? So it's interesting to just, like I said, to study the parallels between those two issues right there, the decline of America and the decline of what I call the visible church in America. The reason I call it the visible church is because any Christian that understands any, even just a little bit of the gospel of Jesus Christ and Christian doctrine realizes that what the, what, what the world sees as the physical, the physical, the visible church of Christianity does not usually reflect what true Christianity is. It's the invisible church that God sees that remains pure and holy in spite of everything that's going on around us. Folks, I, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but I've spent years trying to figure out through research what is really happening in the world. And the reason I did this is because uh, I was raised in, in Orange County, California. It's very Republican. It's very right wing. And for years, I would get into debates with people that were left wing. I was Republican. They were Democrat. And I came to the realization that we always have the same arguments over and over again about the same topics, and nobody really ever changes their viewpoint. There was a division that just no one would would would, would cross to the other side. Very rarely would that happen. So what I what I became aware of is this division. I thought, why is there such division and so much hatred between these two forces? What is it that is really running all this? What is causing all of this to happen? So I very much wanted to learn this. So back in, I, I thought it was 2009, but I was looking at some old research and I think I started in 2007 really researching this to find out what is really going on, who's really running the world, what forces are really behind, what is going on politically and sociolo sociologically in the world, who's running things. And I will tell you that after a year or two of very intense research, really trying to figure things out, it took me to a place that was so dark and so sinister, and I learned things 
that were beyond anything I would have imagined that were so evil that I had to stop it. My wife literally came in my office one day and said, you've got to stop doing this. It's affecting your personality. It's affecting your attitude. You're becoming extremely dark and negative because I couldn't believe what I was learning. And in one word or one name, what I was really uncovering was the fact, and this, this is scriptural, is Satan is the one that's controlling all the stuff that we see going on in this world. Satan was the one that was causing the division. Satan, Satan is the one that was causing all of the hatred. And he's doing it masterfully through his forces. That's what we see carried out so blatantly right now through the events that we are living through. So for Christians, this should be a fascinating time because we are told in Scripture that he is the prince of this world. He is the driving force of this world. He is the one in control of this world until the Lord comes back to claim his rightful kingdom, which this will be when we are in a new heaven and a new earth. But along those lines, I want to tell you guys, and one of the reasons I, I said I switched over to starting to call this The Way Radio instead of The Way Ministry Church Online is because I may start recording midweek podcasts or recordings as well to address some of the events that are happening right now, because I think more truth needs to come forward. That may only happen for a couple of weeks. If, if things really get crazy, uh, nobody may be able to broadcast, but let's hope and pray that that's not the case. But I will tell you that the coming week may determine whether America begins to overcome evil or we move further into it. The scenarios that I have been following, and there are people that I have listened to for years, and I will be honest with you, some of these people I've listened to for years online and through various avenues where I get information, and I have thought there's no way the things that they are claiming are going to take place could take place. That's just, it's whacked. It, it can't happen. <clears throat> but I will tell you what's amazing is the things that these people have been warning about for years are taking place rapidly right now. Their warnings should have been heeded much more closely because of what we're seeing taking place. I'm going to get into this more in detail probably in a midweek recording, because I don't think it's it's the place to discuss a lot of this in detail on a Sunday. But I, I may, as we go forward, discuss more of these things in detail. But I will tell you what could take place in the coming week, what America could be facing very soon is beyond anything that we could imagine. And so as Christians, we very much need to pray that we can stand firm in the faith, that we can push back against evil, and that our government, and, and it's really not our government, it's the world government that's controlling things and making these things that we see take place, that somehow we can banish this evil and get back to some semblance of good. Because what could happen is beyond, uh, it, it's like a nightmare, the things that could possibly take place. And I'm talking within 48 to 72 hours here in America from what I'm hearing. So just, I think the reason I'm sharing this with you guys is because if you haven't been paying attention or you've been watching the mainstream news and you've been totally misled, and I'll tell you, if you've been watching the mainstream news and listening to what they've been telling you, you really have no idea what's going on. But I will tell you, please be prepared and don't think it's weird 
to think of what I need to do to prepare. Now, obviously, I'm talking about being prepared spiritually, which is what we do when we gather here on Sundays. And <clears throat> if people watch this on YouTube or or listen to the podcast, and that's another point I wanted to make. I'm very soon going to switch over from it to another platform because it's obvious that uh, anybody with any kind of a Christian message is not going to survive on YouTube very long. So there's a couple platforms I'm considering, and I'll probably start switching over to them this week. I'll share that with you guys later. Um, but be prepared. Have a way to filter water. Have some extra food. Have some extra gas. Maybe a generator. Um, just be prepared with what could be coming. Um, if you're in a, in a state where you can get them, it's a good idea to have firearms and to be able to protect your, yourself. Like I said, I'm not trying to freak people out, but just we'll get into this more going forward. Regarding the situation that we're dealing with now in America about who is going to be president, whether it's Biden or it's Trump, and we really don't know yet. Up until this morning, when I listened to the latest report from someone that I get information from, I was very convinced that uh, Trump had things in place to remain in power and, and Biden would not be inaugurated because Trump had the proof uh, that uh, the election was fraudulent, the Chinese were involved in it, and he was going to use that as he rightfully should. It's his duty, if he knows that a fraud has been carried out, that something has been done against the Constitution, to remain in power and to make sure that the government stays constitutionally grounded. From what I heard this morning, that may not happen. There may be another twist to this. I still believe, like I said, fraud has been carried out on a, on a, on a large level. But what I will say is there's a great mistake that many Christians are making right now because they are looking at Donald Trump to save them and to save the country. He is the better option by far. But the point I want to make is that Biden clearly stands for evil and depravity. I don't think anybody that's a Christian is going to argue that point. Biden, Harris, the party that they represent, clearly exemplify evil and depravity. The abortion issue alone makes that statement valid and true. But if you see what they're doing behind the scenes and the plans that they have to crush America, you will see that it even is, is beyond the abortion issue. I think the abortion issue is just the most sick, sinister part of it. But on the other hand, while, but, but, while I believe Trump is a very good leader, I love to see how decisive he is. I love to see how courageous and bold and confident he is and how he will not be intimidated. And the fact that he is not a career politician, that's what makes him shine so much in the midst of the scum that he's surrounded with in D.C. He is not a savior. As Christians, we need to understand that he is a good leader. He is a smart man. He is decisive. He is not a good example of a Christian. Before his speech, uh, a week or so ago, when they when the Electoral College met and, and so many people were gathered in Washington, Paula White prayed before his speech. She is a false teacher who she has no business holding her position. That's easily verifiable. He surrounded himself with false teachers. I don't think he does it on purpose. I think he is, if he is a Christian, he's new to the Christian faith, and he doesn't have the discernment yet to know when he is in the midst of those that are actually working against Christ instead of for him. So I have to be very careful looking at Trump from a Christian perspective and just to look at him as by far the best option right now for a leader 
based on having him or Biden in there. Because it, it, it's very clear, and, and I'll provide more of this evidence later, Biden is very clearly an operative of the Chinese Communist Party. And you will hear more and more about the Chinese Communist Party in the coming days and weeks. They are infiltrated deeply into our government and into our country at a level that would horrify most people. They have been infiltrating our government for years, and they are in control of way more than most people realize. And Biden, it's pretty obvious, is probably totally controlled by them. But like I said, Trump is not a savior. He is a good leader. Now, if things happen well this week, Trump stays in office, a battle may be won, but we have to remember the war will still continue. We're not winning a war. We're just winning a big battle in the midst of this war that we're talked that, that is talked about in Ephesians 6:12. And like I said before, the evil at the highest levels of worldly power is beyond our worst nightmares. And I don't want to get into some of the stuff that I uncovered regarding Satanism. And, and I know this sounds sensationalistic. I know this sounds uh, melodramatic. I know this sounds out there like I'm just trying to put stuff out to scare people or to shock people. I can share evidence of things that, that will blow your minds, and I plan to do that going forward if we're able to stay on the air. I'm going to get into more of what I've researched over the years and 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 expose what I can. And I have learned all I can, but there are other people out there that, that, have, that have made careers out of this uh, that know way more than I do, but I'll share what I can with you guys. Um, I think a proper perspective regarding Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present, present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are in a battle of good and evil. This is shocking for Americans because Americans for years have been spoiled and it's led us to a pervasive sense of apathy and complacentness where we do not fight. We do not question. And that's what has to be done. People have got to stand up and start fighting and questioning and pushing back against evil. And that's what I hope to inspire in people. But what I want you to think about is the fact that as Christ is perfect and holy and good, the spirit of Antichrist is the extreme opposite in evil, depravity, sadism, hatred, etc. And we are told that the spirit of Antichrist is already at work in the world. And that spirit is contrary to everything that Christ is. Where Christ is love and holiness and perfection and purity, the Antichrist is everything opposite of that, the extreme darkness. And that's what we're up against. And we just have to face that fact. So we have to make a stand as believers. So I want to look at Ephesians 6.10 through 18, I believe it is. I forget how many verses I used here. Yeah, 6.10 through 18. And I just want to go through this because when we are facing this spiritual battle, when we are engaging as Christians in the battle that we step into when we make the commitment to follow Christ, when we are blessed by faith, and we are blessed with repentance, and we are brought to believe and place our faith and our trust in Christ. When we, when we are brought to follow him and we make that commitment, we're entering a battleground. And Paul gives us a great teaching 
on how we are to arm ourselves to be successful in that battle as we move forward. And he gives it to us in 6.10 through 18 in the book of Ephesians, and he talks about the whole armor of God. So let's look at that. The first verse is Ephesians 6.10, and he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. How do we do that? Abide in prayer. Be in prayer constantly. You will not have the strength and the clarity and the proper perspective and focus you need to get through what we could very well be facing very soon if you are not constantly in prayer. The Bible tells us, pray with always, rejoice without ceasing. We are to pray constantly. It says rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Sorry, I got it backwards. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. If you pray constantly now, pray more. If you struggle with prayer, pray more. And I'll tell you, I've been going through, I've been so hectic and busy over the last few months and trying to figure out what's going on and dealing with all this COVID garbage that's happening and trying to get a new business going to help better support my family, prayer has slipped a little bit and I've really been noticing it. So yesterday I made a concerted effort to start setting aside more time to be in prayer, to contemplate the Lord, to meditate on him and his attributes. Please do that. Please do that. How else? Abide in the word. Jesus tells us, abide in me, abide in my word. If you want to grow in prayer, spend more time in God's word. God's word, as you're led by the Holy Spirit, will inspire you to pray. George Mueller, one of the most amazing men of prayer that you'll ever read about in Christian history, said he usually started his prayer through Bible study. He would open the word in the morning, he would start studying scripture, and it would lead him into prayer. So if you're struggling in prayer, don't try to figure it out yourself. Open up the Word. Start reading the Word. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will inspire you to proper prayer. Obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. Strive to be obedient. That's going to be huge with what we could be facing. Because the easiest thing to do when you're going to have to start sacrificing for your faith is to not be obedient to Christ so that you can be obedient to the forces of evil so that you don't have to suffer for the name of Christ. Be obedient. Fellowship. Right now, we are blessed with fellowship. Even if it's at a distance, we can still fellowship. But try to surround yourself with solid, true Christian believers. Be around people that love the Lord. Be around people that are true Christians. Test people. Make sure that those that tell you are Christians are truly Christians. Don't do it spitefully. Don't do it arrogantly or self-righteously. But we're told to test the spirits, to know if they are from God. If you make a new friend and they claim to be a Christian, listen to what they say. It may be an opportunity for you to share the gospel and win someone to Christ, or it may be an opportunity for you to bring somebody back that has wandered from the narrow path into something that's false. Or maybe you have without knowing it, and they're there to correct you. Be in fellowship. Faith. Pray that the Lord will strengthen your faith, and he will deepen your belief every day. That he will sharpen your discernment and give you courage, boldness, and confidence to go forward in the day regardless of what you're faced with. Service. 
This is an oper- this is a golden opportunity for Christians to be of service because so many people could be suffering in the with what America could be facing very soon and the world could be facing. How can you be of service that will be a service that will help forward the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can you be of service? And remember, all of these things are by grace. As I said these things, if your spirit started saying, well, that's difficult to do that, or that's difficult. I don't know if I have the strength to do that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to discipline myself to sit down and pray. You don't have to have your own ability to do it. You pray that God would bless you by his grace to give you the ability and the strength and the courage and the confidence and the boldness to do all the things I just talked about. And you will grow in strength in the Lord. Paul continues in Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, what did I just talk about? All the research I did, all the things I tried to uncover about what was wrong with this world, who's really in control, what's really going on. I said it came back to one name, Satan. And what we see happening now are the schemes of the devil being carried out on a grand scale. His attacks that have been covertly carried out for many years are now becoming much more uh, overt and out in the open. You see, he's doing things right in our face and it's showing through the evil forces that he has in place through government. They don't hide what their intentions are anymore. You see, they don't care if you know about it or not. You see, so put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So he's telling us, give, Paul's given us this visualization in this portion of scripture. And this is a great portion of scripture, I think, especially as we're going to be gradually moving back and forth and in and out of the book of Revelation. Because he's saying, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. When he says that, is he telling us that when you become a Christian, you are literally given a metal suit of armor to put on. Is it a literal suit of armor? No, he's talking symbolically, metaphorically. And the reason I bring up the book of Revelation right now is because so many people struggle with the book of Revelation because they are looking at all this symbolism and trying to figure it out literally. But this is a a glaring example of how, no, there are many things that we are given a symbolic representation of so that we can visualize it and understand how these truths apply to us. So that's going to be a very big lesson as we move through the book of Revelation in the coming months. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So we're in a spiritual battle. So the armor that we're putting on is a spiritual armor. So how much clearer could it be that when we are called to follow Christ, we are stepping onto a spiritual battlefield? Paul's telling us that. Put on the whole armor of God. You are entering a spiritual battle zone. Now, I want to give you two pictures that, that, that allude to this spiritual battlefield in other places in Scripture. And the first one is 1 Timothy 6. 11 through 14, and Paul is instructing Timothy in ministry. And he says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of the faith, 
take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, you're entering a battlefield, and to do that, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness in spite of the situations and circumstances that you're surrounded with. And then let's look at 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 7. Again, a letter from Paul to Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming, this I believe is this time, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry." For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. This should be the goal of the last sentence every Christian murmurs before they pass on to go with the Lord. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that could be on your tombstone? See? Fight the good fight. Let's look at verse 12 the verse that I talked about earlier that gives us a picture of what we are really dealing with here. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, in other sermons, I'm going to get into what he means by each of these. What does he mean against rulers? What are the rulers in the heavenly places? What are the authorities? What are the cosmic powers over this present present darkness? What are the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places? What are those? We will get into that because I think these are going to be much more in play as we move forward now. That's what we're seeing in the world. But what we're seeing here in the clearest interpretation is the fact that we what we see happening around us is affected by what we don't see happening around us. And that's what I was alluding to earlier. So many in this world, and and even Christians, forget that we are in the midst of an eternal spiritual battle. That's what we're in the midst of right now. Things are crazy because the spiritual battle is heating up and it's being carried out on the physical realm. I want to give you just a couple examples from Scripture that allude to the spiritual battles that take place around us that we're not aware of. But we should start striving to be more aware of as Christians. The first one is uh, 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17. Now, when the attendant of the man of God had risen, this now, now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He's talking to Elijah. This is Elijah's servant. 
the king had sent to have Elisha, an enemy king had sent to have Elisha arrested and probably executed. And they knew it. And his assistant went out in the morning and saw this huge army that had come to, to capture him. It looked hopeless. How are we going to survive this day? How are we going to fight back against this army? But Elisha was seeing things in the way that I just talked about. So he says, alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more, more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So even though this king had sent all these soldiers and chariots and his army to capture Elisha, they didn't stand a chance because Elisha was surrounded by a spiritual army from God that the physical army stood no chance against. That's one picture of the battle that is being carried out on the spiritual realm. All of our spiritual strength and courage are from God by his grace. Our spiritual strength and courage sustain us in the flesh as well as in our spirit. That's going to be very important right now. All of our spiritual, our spiritual strength and courage sustain us in the flesh as well, <coughs> excuse me, as in the spirit. Let's look at another example from Daniel. This one is one of the most beautiful images of the spiritual warfare that takes place, the angelic warfare that takes place on our behalf in the realm around us. Then behold, a hand touched me and set, set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on now, this is important and on humbling yourself before your God, he's humble before his God. Your words were heard and I have come in response to your words, or you could say his prayers. How important is prayer? But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days of yet future. The angel told him that he came to help him, and he was opposed by these angelic princes who in the spiritual realm, the angelic realm, are responsible for the kingdom of Persia. And what we find out is on, in the angelic realm, there are hierarchies of authority down from the Lord. And that's why he's, Michael was sent to help him because Michael is that, that, that powerful prince, that warrior angel that helps him defeat the prince of the, the evil forces governing Persia on the spiritual realm so he could get the message that he needed to get to Daniel in answer to his prayers. These should be such inspiring verses for us in these times. Because it is so hard to know what's true, what is false, who's good, who's evil. And then we see evil carried out so blatantly. These are the portions of scripture we should remember. Regardless of how evil these people seem and these forces seem, their power is minuscule 
compared to the power that God can unleash against them. So don't be frightened by it. And I'm not trying to frighten when I share the things that I want people to know. I'm trying to, I guess I could say, I, I want people to raise their level of concern and to be aware so that we're not caught off guard. So then Paul continues in verse 13 after he tells us that we are fighting a spiritual battle. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Take up the whole armor of God. Our only hope, our only strength, our only protection come from Jesus Christ. We come to know Jesus only through God's word as guided by the Holy Spirit. So if you want to put on this army, this armor that I'm talking about, it's not something you can wish. It's not something that you can develop yourself. It only comes through God, through his grace, through prayer, study of the word, fellowship, the things I talked about earlier. Strengthen that armor daily. Verse 14 he says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of, breastplate of righteousness. So he gives us this, this symbolic image of armor, and now he takes the pieces of the armor and uses those to symbolize the things that help strengthen us and guard us and protect us against evil in the cause of Christ. Stand therefore, picture it, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So you got a breastplate of righteousness and a belt of truth. Why does Paul call him that? The belt of truth is the truth of the gospel, inward spiritual truths that we can only know through God's word by the guiding of the Holy Spirit. That's the belt of truth. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. Let's look at those. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. I just had somebody contact me the other day and they were very concerned because their church had brought in um, or was involved in the Celebrate Recovery Program, which if you've listened to me at all, you know, is, is not truly a Christian program. It's based on the uh, heretical 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And he wanted to know what I recommended to replace it. The gospel. I said, go to your elders and ask them how they can preach about 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 but rely on something outside of scripture to help somebody stuck in the sin of addiction. It doesn't make any sense. If you're a pastor and your church is relying on psychology, psychiatry, 12-step programs, self-help groups, whatever it is, you can't preach on 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 without either compromising it or being a hypocrite. Because it says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. That means nothing else is needed. You see, that's it. So the belt of truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, the breastplate of righteousness. It's the righteousness of the spotless purity of Jesus Christ that is imputed to believers. 
Christ blesses us with this breastplate, breastplate of righteousness, which, which is not our righteousness. It is his righteousness that he covers us with. Philippians 3, 8 through 9 says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That righteousness is only from Jesus Christ. We have none of our own. We cannot stand before God unless we are cleansed, washed, our sins are washed in Christ's blood, and his righteousness has been imputed to us. That's what we stand in. Verse 15, Ephesians 6, 15. The shoes, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So we've seen those other parts of the armor. Now he talks about the shoes. <clears throat> what are they symbolizing? The readiness given by the gospel of peace. We are encouraged and we are inspired by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are guided by the Holy Spirit. We stand on a firm footing that will never be shaken. And we are ready to move and go when called in the cause of the gospel. So that's what the shoes symbolize. Verse 16. Very important for these times. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Folks, those darts are going to be coming like nothing we've ever seen if things don't go well in the coming days and weeks. Christians will start having to engage in battles and persecutions like we've never thought would happen in America unless something very drastic happens. And it could. God could completely just do a miraculous work that brings him great glory and things turn around. But with what's happened in the last month or so and seeing what's happened in 2020, it's not looking good. <laughs> it's not looking good. I mean, just think about what the whole coronavirus narrative has done. I mean, they've proven this, this virus is 99.7% is uh, survivable. It's really just a, a, a bad flu. And look at the destruction that has been wrought through that. Why? Because people are not living faithfully. They are believing everything that the world tells them. And they are going along with evil guidance. And it's destroyed economies. Starvation this year is going to go through the roof compared to last year just because of the ridiculous coronavirus lockdowns. So when you think of how gullible the world was for that, think of what it's going to be like as things continue to spiral out of control. And then Christians are the only ones standing on truth. And you have to make a stand for that. Got to be ready. So we must have an unwavering, strong, vibrant, and bold faith in Christ. Pray for that. Pray for it for your family and your friends and your church. Because this could be a glorious time for Christians. I'm actually excited to see what happens. It's, it's a bit frightening because I have a family. I have people I care for and love. I don't want to see people suffer. So I'm doing everything I can to make sure everything, everything is as tight as possible to be smart. 
But from a Christian perspective, it's fascinating to see this battle of good and evil so visible right now. And then verse 17, Paul continues. Now he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So it gives us another image, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. So the helmet, he tells us, represents salvation. The sword, we know his God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. So that's clearly symbolic, which is the word of God. Salvation to be the most carefully defended. That's why he says salvation is the helmet that covers your head. If you're in battle, what's the thing you protect the most? Your head. If you get stabbed in the arm or the leg, even the chest, if it doesn't hit your heart, you can survive. <clears throat> if a sword goes through your head, you're dead. So he says, protect that the most, your salvation. So salvation is to be the most carefully defended. It's our hope which keeps us from despair. And instead we trust and we rejoice in the Lord because we are meditating and contemplating the fact that our salvation is a blessing now and a promise salvation that we move forward to in eternity. We only have one weapon of attack, notice. We don't have a sword and a bazooka and a machine gun and a knife. He just says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So he gives us one weapon of attack, which is the word of God faithfully and prayerfully wielded. The word of God is the greatest weapon we have. Praise the Lord for that. Matthew Henry says, a single text well understood and rightly applied at once destroys a temptation or an objection and subdues the most formidable adversary. The word of God has a power that we can't even comprehend. Never shy away from using the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Consider that when Christ was tempted in the desert by Satan, what did he respond with? You can research this in Matthew 4. Every time Satan tempted him, he, he responded with, it is written, the word of God. The son of God, God incarnate, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, when tempted, responded directly to Satan, with the word of God. That should be a huge lesson to us. Now notice, he talks about all this armor, <clears throat> but notice that he doesn't talk about anything covering the back. Talks about a breastplate, but the back is not covered. So what do we learn from that? That we are to face our enemy and attack with the shield of faith and the sword of the word. You engage in battle, you face your enemy, you look him in the eye, and you do whatever you have to do to destroy him. And our enemy is a spiritual evil. You see, you do not turn your back on them. You do not trust them. You go into battle face first with boldness. And then Ephesians 6, 18. Again, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Everything is prayerful. To that end, keep alert with work with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Amen. Prayer buckles on all the parts of the Christian armor. You can look at, at prayer as being what keeps the armor on us, what strengthens it and thickens it and makes it sharper and more effective and more lethal in a, in a spiritual sense to our enemies. I'll close with Philippians 4, 4 through 7. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 
Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything in all, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So regardless of what we're dealing with, regardless of what happens in the coming days, be in prayer. Do not be anxious. God is in control and he will take care of us and bring us through. Praise the Lord for that. Um, like I said, you guys, please be prepared for the coming week. Things could get crazy in America. There's a lot of speculation on what's going to happen. Um And that's really all I can say. Just try to be prepared. Try to be smart. Uh, like I said, I, I'm really thinking seriously about starting to put out like a midweek podcast on maybe Wednesdays. Um, so if you can go to the Christian podcast community, you can you can search it on DuckDuckGo or, or Google if that's what you use. You can find my podcast on there. I believe it's on Apple and iTunes and, and all those other platforms. I'm not sure how many. Um, you can also follow uh, on YouTube. Just look for The Way Ministry Church. And you can find us on YouTube. Like I said, I'm going to be switching that over to a different platform soon. And I'll let you guys know when I do that. Um, but we are entering some exciting times. And I hope I can do everything I can uh, to help us, anybody that listens to this, uh, to grow closer to the Lord, to become more effective in the gospel, and to not be anxious about the times in which we live. Um, please consider supporting the ministry. Um, your help. Any support that we get helps us with the work we're doing in Kenya. It helps us grow the way radio, and it helps us in all the work that we're doing on all the different platforms. So we need all the support we can get. And um, I appreciate those that do support and pray for us. So please pray for us constantly, too, um, because we definitely need it. Uh, until next week, we will be back here unless they turn off the internet or they cut electricity. It can very well happen. Um, I plan to be back here next Sunday. If not, uh, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, I'll do something after we see what happens. Maybe I'll post something and, and, and I'll let everybody know. Um, so we may be here before that, but I uh, just thank you guys for watching. God bless you. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Contemplate on him. Abide in him. Abide in his word and lift each other up in prayer. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you.